We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Napa know-how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolor paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Welcome to the Wednesday Rotowire Football Podcast, the College Edition, brought to you by NoHalftime.com. I'm John McKechnie, joined as always by my buddy Mario Puig. How you doing, Mario? I'm good, John. I had a bad week last week, but um, I'm recovering a little bit by each minute, I guess. Well, I mean, you know, we had some games that definitely didn't go our way. Definitely didn't go the way we were expecting. I think, uh, I think the LSU Wisconsin game probably. Leads I want the to charge die. there. Yeah, I uh, I'm I'm so mad about. That. I mean, I have to give some credit to the Wisconsin coaches. They called a really good game, which was part of like 
my reasoning was based on the premise that they wouldn't do that. Right. But uh, Paul Christ had a pretty bold, uh, um, clever, unpredictable game plan, which is just not really a hallmark of Wisconsin offensive game planning. And the defense was run a lot better by Wilcox than I thought it would be. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it also helps to have Cam Cameron being the offensive coordinator of the other team and Pretty Les amazing. Miles, a man who eats grass off the ground when he gets scared. <laughs> so it's, it's, uh, it's pretty irritating. Cause like, I, I mean, I think if, um, I don't know anybody at all really other than Cam Cameron, we're calling that like anybody, not, not just like football coaches, but anybody in the world could have probably called that one a little bit better. Um, so yeah. It's it's uh it sucks and um yeah yeah that's really- that that less miles killed Harambe uh, sheet which isn't funny uh, Harambe's played out yeah it's played out like all the normies like the lame like mainstream turd people are into that stuff now and it's <laughs> like not it's not funny anymore I think it stopped being funny but it was funny up until Yasiel was screaming about it in that uh, nightclub vine or oh, whatever. Yeah. Um, after that, it was like that was the retirement ceremony for Harambe jokes. Anyway, that stupid sheet that they wrote it on is hanging on one of those Mifflin Street houses right now, and I want to throw things at it. Oh, I no. won't. If somebody does, it wasn't me. Like to be clear, I'm not. Of course not. I would never do that um, unless I didn't say I was going to on a podcast ahead <laughs> of time. So that's out. Definitely not premeditated sign taking downage, but. Um I don't know what what other uh, kind of reactions did you have for, from week one? Any, anything that stood out to you, impressive or uh, going the other way? Well, uh, there there was there was some things that we kind of expected, I guess. Like we we expected that Ohio State offense to go nuts in that game. I didn't specifically expect uh, Curtis Samuel to be so much of a you know Percy Harvin type role. Like Ridiculous. I thought I thought he was gonna I thought he was gonna be you know the same peripheral part that he was before just with like three more touches per game but he looked like he might be like a workhorse in that offense like he was he was very very convincing yep uh, and he was up to the challenge too you know like both running the ball and catching it yeah like he 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 started a game over Ezekiel Elliott two years ago at running back and so he's he's always had a lot of talent and it was just a matter of giving him the ball which it looks like they're going to now uh so that was pretty impressive JT Barrett you're one of your uh recommended Heisman picks before the year certainly is off to a nice start with Fournette more or less knocked out of the picture uh, and Barrett very much at the at the lead uh, well among the leaders rather so uh yeah that was that was not shocking it, w- it wasn't shocking to see Kenny Hill at TCU get that hot in that first game um but yeah there, there was a bunch of stuff that I just did not expect like Clemson offense not doing so well uh against I mean Auburn's defense was good last year like quite good it's just how many times does an offense do as terribly as Auburn's does and go against a Deshaun Watson like quarterback otherwise and then hold them to 19 points or whatever? Like that was just... that was one of the biggest like head scratchers of the entire Saturday evening slate. I, you know, like you like you said before, Auburn's defense is good and it, it's only going to be better this year because Carl Lawson's back and he's healthy uh, and they, they've got some other guys that are kind of ready to step in. Uh, they've been you know stockpiling talent for years. That's nothing new, but. Uh, they do look impressive on that side of the ball, but yeah, for for Auburn to to really have literally nothing going for them on offense and still kind of hang in the game against Clemson, that was that was shocking. Like, what I'm wondering is, does Gus Malzahn know that he's allowed to quit a job? Like, does he th- does he just think it's against the law to quit a job, and that's why he's like rotating? Sh- he's starting Sean White, yep. who by like 
I don't know, whatever. He was he was probably a decent recruit or whatever, but he's not a fit for that system that they run. And they would take him out to put in Jeremy Johnson and John Wallace at times where there was no 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 obvious reason to do it. It wasn't like, oh, this is a running situation, bring in this guy. It was like, oh, that guy made a nice play, pull him. And like it was it was just the dumbest thing and none of the players were told that it was going to happen. None of them were even trying to cover for malls on after the game. They were right. just like yeah, that didn't make any sense. He told us Sean was the guy, and uh, it kind of it kind of made things hard, and we didn't like it. And it's like it just seems like it's the dumbest thing Malzahn could have done. And why would you do that unless you were just trying to get fired? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, this week he he kind of promised. I don't, I don't think he envisioned the kind of backlash that that he's gotten. Where you know, I think five different guys took snaps like from like the quarterback spot. You know, a couple of them were like wildcat type of situations. But uh, he he promised that it's only going to be Sean White and John Franklin moving forward why why would he do that after like it's i i I get it like it's it's stupid to rotate them but like why those two like jeremy johnson didn't do anything to like get removed from consideration yeah i mean he's like he's way you know less limited as a passer than like a a john franklin is i mean uh way more athletic than sean white anyway it was it was ridiculous they got a who who they got this week they got um arkansas state yep favored by 19 and a half and and this one covers that i'm I'm looking that i'm looking i'm looking at yeah that's uh that's um i don't know we'll see but yeah that's that school is a mess right now outside of their defense and it's like in the second half that even that's gonna fall apart if they have to play it so many snaps like that um, but yeah, anyway, uh, I guess, like, uh, was there anything else on your mind about week one? Uh, I guess Texas Notre Dame was a highlight. Yeah. I mean, that was, one, that was definitely, uh, one of the best games of the weekend. Uh, I think it was, it was cool to see Texas's, you know, strategy sort of work out. You know, I was, I was a little bit skeptical about, about it and, you know, the 18 wheeler offense sounds really cool, but you know, is it, it sounds is, really cool. It does. I mean, 18 it's an awesome- wheels. Let's go. I mean, very Texas of them. Let it rip, as Matt McConaughey said. But, um, you know, uh, that was was just awesome to see. It was awesome to see Shane Bouchelle just sort of, like, immediately um, establish himself as as the guy and, like, the next good Texas quarterback. And, you know, we both love those running backs. So that was just – that was a great game to watch. And, uh, you know, on the other side, Brian Kelly kind of floundered with his two-quarterback system. That was – uh, a little bit interesting. Why do coaches think that makes sense? Like, I like he. I know his 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 reasoning for it. And again, this was funny to me when he was saying it because it seemed like he he was acting like it was outside of his control and like he almost regretted that it was the case. But he was like, "Look, man, two of our five best playmakers play quarterback. I have to put my two of my five best playmakers on the field." And no one was pointing out really like, "Well, Brian, that's still." the exact same like at best case scenario that's the same sum if you take out one of them and put in the other you're subtracting one to make room for the other it's the same sum assuming you don't disrupt the function otherwise of that position in the offense which it clearly did um so yeah it was like dude brian why like you're you're going about you think you're compelled to make this move that at best will get the exact same result as if you didn't make it right like but no one no one pointed that out to him it seemed like the light went on in the middle of the game but maybe maybe he also was just like oh i guess malik isn't one of our five best playmakers anymore maybe that's how he sees it i don't know but yeah the the texas offense was really impressive and if that's the case like why can't texas be a, a playoff contender 
Like we, they should. I mean, that that uh, conference is pretty wide open. I mean, uh, you know, TCU would have been like another guest of mine, obviously Oklahoma, and like TCU kind of got you know pushed around yeah. a little bit by uh, their South defense Dakota. was awful. Yeah, I mean one. that's God, that was embarrassing. And then uh, obviously Oklahoma, their their kind of title shot is already smashed. So I mean, uh, Texas should be able to take care of business against most of the other schools in that conference. I don't really see. Uh, who else is really going to trip them up? Because physically, they're they're just uh, better than a, you know, like a Baylor or a Texas right. Tech. If they can, if they can have an offense in in that realm of those teams that you just mentioned, while having a a defense typical of Charlie Strong um, historically, then like that's that's definitely a championship contending type team. But I guess we'll have to see if a the offense can keep it up, and b if Charlie Strong can make a defense better than what he's had the last few years because they haven't been that good at Texas yet. Um, they were really good at Louisville and Florida, but that's obviously different. Uh, but yeah, if TCU's defense has fallen off, then that, I don't see why Texas can't match them, really. Um, yeah. So anyway, do you want to start uh, diving into this uh, upcoming slate that we got here? Yeah, let's. Uh, we're going to get into the Friday games. There's no Thursday games because, you know, college football is just going to let NFL have, have its opening night, of course. Um, so Friday night, uh, we got a couple of games to st- get us started here. We got Maryland. Uh, they are favored by 10 points going down to Florida to face FIU. Uh, that's a 56-and-a-half-point over-under. Uh, does anything strike you from that game? I don't know what to think about it exactly, but do you, do you think, John, uh, I'm asking you especially because you know more about uh, Maryland in general and also their, their new coaching regime, do you think their defense is getting much respect with the spread here of 10-and-a-half uh, against a Florida international team that uh, kind of got clobbered by Indiana last week. Yeah, they 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 had trouble, you know, getting things going against Indiana. And I would I would wager that Maryland has a better defense than Indiana. So, uh, uh, yeah, Indiana gave up. Indiana was playing um, on the road. It looks like against Florida international, only yes. gave up thirteen points. And I'm just I'm just not really buying the idea that Indiana's defense is that good. Like it it might be it's better not. than past years, but that's that's one of those can't get worse type things. So. Uh, but yeah, uh, it was a home game that the that the Florida International lost by twenty one to Indiana. That seems like a pretty low uh, margin to give to Maryland in that case. Yeah, I think you know Maryland isn't quite on the same level as Indiana right now. Indiana has a few more established guys or, or guys that have a bit more uh, upside and promise. You know, like you you would take Indiana's quarterback situation over Maryland's per se. Uh, but Hills Hills did seem to be. I don't know how much you can really glean from a game against Howard, but uh, he did look really comfortable back there. He's completed most of his passes, which was obviously a rarity last season when they were just throwing picks uh, left and right. So that was really good to see. And then uh, that the running game was really powerful. I thought, you know, a lot, you know, big chunks of yardage, really nice average uh, yards per carry and so on. So that, that was really encouraging to see as well. So I think that the, that Maryland is kind of responding well to to the Walt, new Walt Bell system. Uh, you know, obviously it's going to be put to a slightly bigger test uh, this coming week uh, going against FIU rather than a school like Howard. But I still think I trust that they, that Maryland would be able to to be able to come out on top here and you know probably cover that spread. Yeah, Maryland's offense. I don't think we would take over Indiana's, but I, I would take their defense almost without mm-hmm. even looking at who's playing for it. Uh, it's just DJ Durkin defense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so I, I think I think you've convinced me. Uh, it's it's ten and a half and and then covers was it was it nine and a half or ten for ESPN? I believe it was ten flat on ESPN. Yes. Okay. Either way, I think I'd take both of those just because uh, 
man, Florida International got clobbered at home. I don't know why they can't do it two weeks in a row. Um, but yeah, a more interesting game, certainly. Syracuse at home against Louisville. Um, Louisville looks really, really good, I think. Oh, yeah. uh, th- their their defenses have been pretty tough with Petrino, and I we both, I think, like Syracuse for the long haul, but... This is this game is one of the main reasons why uh, their their over under for wins this year was uh, four. four, yeah, because it's it's just a brutal schedule they got, and they 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 did have a pretty nice tune up uh, debut against Colgate or whatever. Uh, they didn't they didn't put up as many points as you would expect for their yardage, I don't think. But Eric Dungey uh, basically wasn't missing with any of his passes. Like Thirty four for forty, like three hundred. Yeah, yards. really, really high completion percentage, high uh, yards per attempt, but only two touchdowns for all the all the moving up the field that they did. So, uh, th- yeah, but the thing is, it's just this is such a tough defense to go against. Like, uh, I know Louisville's lost some people over the last couple of years, but they've they've been really, really tough on defense. And even though it's at Syracuse, I just can't really see Syracuse scoring more than like I don't know. 21 points in this one and louisville i can kind of see going up to like 40 or yeah, something yeah syracuse's defense is isn't gonna quite uh be there yet so uh, you know in louisville they got an offense that that's gonna carry them to you know potentially like a top 10 uh ranking if they keep it going this way because i mean lamar jackson obviously was so dominant you know you Take what you will if he's doing it against Charlotte, but I mean, can you play any better than he did in the first well, half of that game? Yeah, I I don't I don't know what we can hold. Like, I don't I don't know I don't know that it's not immensely impressive regardless of opponent if you get eight first half touchdowns. Right. Like that's that's just difficult to figure out logistically. Yeah. yeah, like I don't understand how that happened, but uh, yeah, I mean Lamar Jackson killed Texas A and M in the bowl game last year too. So this is not this is not unprecedented for him really uh eight touchdowns obviously is but the general theme of just being impossible to stop has been going back to last winter so uh yeah i i would definitely take louisville uh plus four or sorry minus 14 and a half i i really i really like syracuse in the long run but i, I just don't know that they're I like louisville seems like a, a really good team like maybe like i don't i haven't looked at their whole schedule or mapped out what it, what exactly i think of their defense but if Lamar is playing like that, they might be like a playoff contender. So Syracuse is not anywhere near that in my mind. Exactly. And then sprinkle in just one smidge of, of season-long uh, fantasy here. Uh, I picked up Amba Edatawa from oh, Syracuse. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he had a you know massive 200-plus yard game. Uh, obviously, he was Eric Dungy's uh, top receiver in that game. So, I mean, that, that was something where I, I went ahead and I dropped Ryan Switzer for him in our season-long league uh, just because I think that, you know, if he's a lead dog in a, in a Dino Babbers type of offense, I think that's definitely something worth pursuing. So, yes. Yeah food for thought out there for the season long guys for sure actually this this offense is pretty interesting in season long because it looks like it's going to be a three-person show like i i know people are panicking about steve ishmael because he only had six catches for 36 yards in that game uh but he did have six catches and i I was looking at just a couple like anecdotal things like apparently he got pulled off for a few plays because he had a personal foul and Mm -hmm. sounds like there was another play where dungy was just like scrambling and ishmael might have been open downfield and I, I understand the concern. Like, obviously, the new coaching staff gets to decide, and like Ishmael's past two years at Syracuse don't necessarily matter that much to Dino Babbers. But uh, Ishmael hasn't been just like the best receiver at Syracuse. He's actually been very good the past two years, like right around like ten yards per target 
over his first two Syracuse seasons, which given their quarterback play at the time, I think is pretty impressive. And uh, last year as a sophomore, he led them in receiving yardage by about twice as much as the next closest pay- next closest player had seven receiving touchdowns and just 39 catches. Uh, and again, he had six catches in this game. And if we think back to Dino Babbage's offense at Bowling Green last year, they had a lot of inconsistency at receiver. Um, like there would be you know, like even as much as much as Roger Lewis was putting up crazy numbers, there would be like three or four games last year where he'd be like under sixty yards, yeah, or have and just like, like two Garrett catches. Dieter would uh, yeah. would like just come out of nowhere, and he'd Garrett have a huge Dieter game. had two one catch games in the first three weeks of last year, and still finished the year with like a hundred catches. So uh, th- I guess it's just like the Nate. I don't know if Dino switches up his progressions a lot just to keep defenses guessing with their scheming. That would certainly make sense. Yeah, uh, but yeah. So either way, it looks like. Ishmael, Amba, Edatau, and Irvin Phillips are all going to be – they're the new, like, uh, Roger Lewis, Garrick Dieter, uh, Ronnie Moore in this offense, uh, with Irvin Phillips being the slot guy. He had 14 catches. Um, but that they were for 6.2 yards per catch, I think, mm-hmm. means that the, the target volume will shift around a bit to f- make him more efficient. But, yeah, those three all – should be good this year i think i'm still sticking with steve ishmael in the long run because i think his prospect profile is really good right um but yeah editao is like a year or two older than him so maybe he can just kind of maintain that lead status just because he's just more developed right now at the very least yeah yeah for maryland of all places um but yeah all right so before we get into our saturday breakdown uh for this week we got a message from our buddies over at the no halftime app You're staring at your weekly fantasy opponent and thinking to yourself, I would love to challenge just one of his players, not his entire team. But your fantasy sports service doesn't allow you to. Now you can on the all-new No Halftime app. The No Halftime app allows you to create individual challenges using players or teams. For example, you can pit Beckham versus Brown, Cam versus Rogers, or even Ezekiel Elliott versus Todd Gurley. Creating a challenge takes seconds, and accepting challenges is even easier. No halftime challenges can be private or public and created for the NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, PGA, and other sports. Visit NoHalftime.com for more information and to download the No Halftime app on your iPhone or Android device. Use promo code RODOFF16 and receive a 100% bonus up to $25. Real money and fantasy supremacy awaits you. No halftime, where the fantasy sports season never takes a break. Join today and get started. All right, so I guess we're going to hop right into our Saturday slate here. Uh, you know, just like all things, you know, we had such a such a high week last week of just awesome, uh, crazy, awesome, good matchups, uh, and we, we kind of get the uh, the blowback this week. We get a slate that's not particularly exciting up and down. There's only a handful of games between Power 5 teams going at it or divisional opponents. So uh, we're going to get started here with actually one of the more interesting uh, under-the-radar games, actually. Uh, We got NC State heading down uh, the coast to East Carolina. Uh, NC State is a five-point favorite on the road uh, going out against the Pirates. Uh, who, Who are you liking here? So East Carolina was very convincing in their first game last week under the leadership of Scotty Montgomery, who they hired after firing Ruffin McNeil, which um, even even with Scotty's great week one, I'm not convinced Ruffin couldn't have done the same thing. Right. So I still don't like that firing very much. But at least Scotty looks like he's pretty good, too. So uh, they have a quarterback transfer from Rutgers slash Minnesota slash 
jail. <laughs> uh, Philip Nelson, who uh, was kind of out of football for a while after allegedly anyway, uh, kind of being involved with a really nasty fight thing. Anyway, uh, he was flawless on the field in that game. Uh, he had five or six touchdowns. Um, Zay Jones was his guy. Zay Jones is really good. Um, in season long, like I, I tried to make a point in our recap this week that uh, you probably want to start him in most season-long leagues, even though it's a tough matchup, because it doesn't seem like the matchup matters for Isaiah Jones. Like He had uh, 14 catches against Florida on the road last year. Um, he's produced against Virginia Tech, I think, two out of the last few years. Mm-hmm. I think he's faced them more than once. Um, so, yeah, he's he's really good. He looks like his – I haven't had a chance to witness his like athleticism that much or like I haven't seen any quoted timings with him, but it seems like – Based on his production, like he's an NFL player, so he's he's really good. And uh, yeah, Philip Nelson has had all this time off and been working with East Carolina. He completed twenty eight of thirty two passes last week for five touchdowns, three hundred ninety eight yards. Ran for a six touchdown. He was he was a running quarterback at Minnesota while he was there. So he 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 looks like he's a great fit for Scotty Montgomery's system. Running back Anthony Scott was pretty good. Eleven carries for one hundred twenty yards. Caught nine passes. So. Uh, I'm I'm looking at these numbers and I, it, yeah, East Carolina did great last week, but they're playing West Western Carolina, and I'm I'm looking at North Carolina State and I feel like they're just better than they're getting credit for here. Like their their defense, I guess, wasn't convincing in week one. They were playing um, what was it? They were playing William and Mary in week one. They only gave up 14 points, so it, it was kind of a close game until like the th- second half. I think I'm just right. I'm just guessing. Um, but yeah, I really like the North Carolina State offense right now. They're committing to Ryan Finley, uh, quarterback this week. He's the Boise State transfer who uh, split time with Jalen McClendon last week. He was, but Finley was 17 of 21 for 174 yards, two touchdowns, and uh, at running back slash tight end, we've got respectively Matt Days and Jalen Samuels, who are are both really really good. I think Samuels is a monster. He's he looks like he lost some weight to be in a more like. Uh, just like a ball handling role rather than this tight end position. Like now it's like his position is just get on the ball and, right. and, it, and it works. So uh, I actually, I actually think North Carolina state has had, uh, you know, I think they have enough defensive personnel to probably get this by more than five points. But uh, yeah, real quickly, I, obviously my, my spread picks last week weren't so good, uh, especially in my article about it like i i should have included uh like when we were forced at gunpoint on on our podcast to pick florida state or mississippi uh, i was like uh miss uh i was was like i think florida state just because like i didn't know if they can stop dalvin and and then like i also had the conditional pick of texas uh, if they start shane bukulele which they did (laughs) and that would have worked out too but i didn't have either of those two in my article what i did have in my article was oh man you guys lsu is going to kill wisconsin Auburn cannot stop Clemson's offense. It's over. Um, what else did I have? Oh, I had like Stanford minus 15 over uh, Kansas State's uh, Bourbon Bowl offense. And it, it sucked. Didn't, it, didn't that one end in a, in a dead push? Was it like third? Uh, it depends like on what you, what figure you oh, quoted. Yeah. For my purposes, it wasn't good. I, did, I can't remember what it was specifically. Anyway, there's this. I went three and six in the article. I should have gone like five and six with my included pod picks, but uh, and obviously I should have gone um, nine and zero oh if everybody else did their jobs. But <laughs> um, yeah, we had this one Way commenter on the site, like Shady NJ something something, 
really giving me the business. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah, it's like, buddy. Uh, he, he was saying he was L- LMAOing at, like, Uh-oh. my picks. I was like, I don't... Buddy, look, it's... it's uh, I don't think you're Ling your AO at all. I, I think you're. I think you're mad. I yeah. think I, I. I'm not mad, by the way. I'm. I'm totally. I think it's funny that he thinks it's that I'm mad. Um, but anyway, I, I'm. I'm. I'm watching out for you in the comment section. Uh, Shady NJ six nine four two zero. Just. Just. Just don't. Don't. Don't pull any of that stuff. It's not. It's not cool, man. I'm. I'm a person, all right, <laughs> and uh, I'm not mad or hurt. I'm just, uh, just I'm just trying, trying keep... really hard. Yep. Okay, um, and anyway, NJ Shady something. It's it, this week we we get it started. North Carolina State minus four and a half. It's on. We're, we're gonna. I'm going to make up for my sins now. Lock it up, man. Yeah, I mean everyone's everyone's uh, allowed to slip up a few times week one. You know, we really don't know what we're gonna get a lot of the times. We can only just project so much. Uh, so, you know, I, I have a good feeling that your picks will, will start to bounce. Actually, I don't, but, uh, still no trolling you guys. It's hurtful. <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's move on over to, uh, the battle of the Keystone state, uh, it's Penn state, uh, five point underdogs going to Heinz field to play pit. Uh, how do you see this one unfolding? So I, I, I refuse to pick in this one. I don't know. Uh, I, it, it's, it's, a. Uh, I don't think. Pitt is very good. I don't think but Penn I don't, State is either. Penn State did did not do as well as I hoped in week one. And and part of that could be like Kent State's defense is really good by max standards, but still though. Yeah. Um I just it 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 might not it might not be as good of a product there as I thought it would be. Meanwhile, Pittsburgh kind of struggled to move the ball against whoever it was they were playing. I don't remember who it was. It it could be that both teams were like saving their best tri- tricks, knowing that this matchup was coming up this week. I, I would imagine some of that was the case. Sure, but yeah, uh, it's J- James Conner making an awesome, inspiring comeback from uh, the Hodgkins uh, lymphoma that he had. He had 17 carries, but they held him to 53 yards against um, whatever Villanova. I guess Villanova is generally one of those like Brian Westbrook's from there. They're probably pretty That's good. Right. Um, Anyway, so I, I don't have a f- I just don't know about this one. I I I I have no no idea. I'm leaning Penn State. Uh, I think they have more talent across the board offensively, um, and I think now that they're back up to like a full complement of scholarships, I think they might be able to pull this one off. Um, and you know, it, you know, I think they can they can cover the the five. I think they could potentially win this game. So oh, uh, I, I just assumed it was Penn State that was favored. I guess I would take the yeah the Penn State points at the least. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I'm feeling on that one. Uh, then we're going to move on to what is going to be just a guaranteed uh, bloodbath. Uh, Central Florida, uh, bless their hearts, going up to Michigan. Uh, they are 35 and a half point underdogs. Uh, Michigan will cover that uh, with gusto and fervor, and they they don't even need to play their starters really to do that. Um, they like barely even you know had their first string defense out there for too long last week and they still held Hawaii to like no yards basically. Um they they had their starting running back go out with a bit of a rib injury. I think he's going to be okay. Uh and then, you know, they had this guy uh Kareem Walker that was the number one uh running back recruit uh in this in this past year's recruiting cycle. He doesn't even get on the field. Some other guy, the kind of like forgotten member Chris somebody Chris Evans. some some guy named Chris. Uh, uh he had matter. he had you know, 
well over 12 yards a carry or so, something to that effect. Um, he forced eight missed tackles, I believe, in, on like 12 carries. Uh, he's fast. He is shifty. He's ridiculous. And he's just a guy that they can just toss in in a game like this. So uh, I'm going Michigan here. I, I think that, you know, like I, I see the 35 points and I, I don't bat a, bat a lash personally. Yeah, so Central Florida, they got Scott Frost, I think his name is, who was the yeah, offensive coordinator Oregon. at Oregon. Yeah, and he's he's putting in his his vision of of the the new UCF offense. It had good enough results in Week One, but it was also a bit uh, hit or miss. Like Justin Holman, their quarterback, only completed fourteen of his twenty eight passes. That's not what you want to do uh, against South Carolina state the week that you play or the week before you play Michigan. So right. this it's, it, it won't be like 90 to nothing or whatever that Hawaii game was. But yeah, I, I, I think, you know, 49 to 10 is very plausible. That's what I'm thinking too. And then, uh, moving on down, we got, uh, Purdue, uh, they one of the more exciting games on the yeah, slate. This one uh, I'm, I'm locked in, man. Uh, so we got Purdue, they're home underdogs to Cincinnati. Ugh, God, this game uh, looks terrible. By six. Cincinnati really disappointed yeah, me in week one. not very good last week, so I'm actually leaning Purdue on this one. They're so bad, too, but, man, like, Cincinnati, their offense was a problem in week one. Like, they, uh, Hayden Moore was really ineffective as a passer. The running backs, Teon Green did good, but my guy Mike Boone got shut down. I, I still have a lot of faith in Mike Boone. I think he's, I think he's a really good running back, and... I don't think Purdue is capable of stopping him necessarily. So uh, as long as he's not hurt or something, I like Boone's chances of bouncing back in this one. But I just don't know about Cincinnati generally. Like, I, it kind of feels like Tommy Tuberville's been checked out for a while now, right. and I don't know if he cares. I, 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 I highly suspect he's a Jimmy Buffett fan, and I think he's, I think he's thinking about Margaritaville, and I don't know if he really even cares that much right now. But yeah, uh, at least uh, for fantasy consideration, like Cincinnati runs a lot of plays. So uh, worth noting, Devin Gray, their junior college transfer receiver, he looks like he might be pretty good. He had over 100 yards against Tennessee Martin, uh, a skinny but fast guy, makes makes plays downfield. Uh, Nate Cole is their veteran returning guy. He he doesn't seem to be that great, but uh, he had a touchdown in week one. Mm-hmm. He's he's got about thirty pounds on a maybe even maybe even more like forty pounds on Devin Gray. So he's a better Yikes. red zone target. Um, but yeah, uh, otherwise, uh, Markel Jones looks like he might be a beast for yeah, Purdue. Yeah, and he, he is a beast, and uh, I don't, I don't think Cincinnati really has like the the front seven to really slow him down much. So if they if they feed Markel the ball, uh, you know he should he should be good for for hitting the century mark. And uh, they for whatever reason, you know, I mean David Blau only completes like maybe half his passes, but they have him throwing it a ton, and they actually have you know pretty big athletic receivers, D'Angelo Yancey. And so on. So I think that you know Purdue like is kind of like a sneakily deep team in terms of of their fantasy options, just a little bit. Yeah, I had a I had a couple things going on Yancey last week, and he only caught that one pass for thirty five yard touchdown. I think he's due for another. I think he's due for a bigger game in this one, just because uh, he's he's had pretty good age adjusted production his whole career there. Um, like he led them in receiving yards and touchdowns as a freshman, I'm pretty sure, three years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, last year he he finished pretty strong. He had a big game against Desmond King, actually, against right. Iowa. So uh, I would be surprised if he stayed so invisible two weeks in a row. But, yeah, I, I'll, I agree with you, Purdue points at the very least. All right, moving on. Another uh, great Big Ten matchup here. We got Nebraska uh, playing host to Wyoming, the, uh, Nebraska 24-and-a-half point favorites. 
Uh, do you have any specific read on on how this one's going to shake out? I don't yet. I ha- I'll have to look at this one closer for the spread article that I'm working on this week. But uh, I I I get it. Like Nebraska pummeled uh, Fresno State last week, but they kind of they kind of gave up a surprising amount through the air. And and more more importantly, I think Wyoming's offense is good. Right. Uh, they beat Northern Illinois in overtime last week, and uh, their quarterback Josh Allen, good dual threat fit in that offense. The running back Brian Hill might be an NFL running back. Uh, Tanner Gentry's been one of the most effective receivers on a per week basis going back to last year, but he missed like the last six games of last year or something. Right. Um, yeah, I, I like Wyoming's chances. I just got to look a bit more. Uh, sorry, I like Wyoming's chances of covering the spread. I they, I don't think they'll win. But uh, I have to. Res- I, they do have a respectable, you know, core. It's, you know, like you, you worry about Nebraska just kind of mashing them a little bit. You know, right. Like, What's interesting run. is they shut down the Northern Illinois running game last week. Like Joel Buonio or whatever got like 14 That's yards right. yeah. on 11 carries or something like that. So, but Galladay, I think, had like a zillion. Right. But, they I mean, sold like, out against the run. But it's mm-hmm. like if they sell out against the run against Nebraska, that means Tommy Armstrong has to probably pass the ball a bit. And that's, like that's that always that concern. always gives you a decent shot at making it competitive at least especially when um like these teams have played in the recent past granted it was brett smith at the time but uh they they put up numbers i remember that they still got beat but they, they at least were able to move the ball and if they if they can move the ball against nebraska uh, i'm not convinced that um you know nebraska's passing game is is quite so good as to make it a 25 point victory no that's a that's a really good way of looking at it i think wyoming definitely has the horses to sort of at least hang around with them. Uh, definitely not picking them to win, like you said. But um, you know, I think I think they can definitely come within twenty five points in Nebraska. So I, I think they're kind of a sneaky uh, team from the Mountain West to keep an eye on. Um, then we're going to move on down to Clemson versus Troy. Clemson. Uh, I don't know. Thirty five and a half is a lot. That is a lot, especially and when they, like they probably weren't even using like that much of their playbook against Auburn. If they only get out with nineteen points, I don't know. But like, how do you, how do you disrespect? I don't under I don't understand. I'm yeah. I'll stay I'll stay off of Clemson for now until they until they begin to click. You know, I'll probably regret that they and they'll sh- probably win by like yeah, a gazillion. But if I had to pick this one, I would take them to cover the spread. It's just that I wouldn't bet on it if I didn't have to. Right. Um. Yeah. That's one to kind of avoid. I think we know how that's going to go. Um. And then we got uh, USC coming off of just getting absolutely leveled uh and they're hosting utah state here and they're 16 and a half point favorites i kind of think that utah state could cover this honestly i don't know what to think because after watching utah state blow it against akron in the bowl game last year i'm, I'm like i'm not super high on their coach um matt wells is it i can't remember um i i, I am a big fan of kent myers their quarterback uh the running back Devonte mays i like a lot but i don't think week. Yeah, he had a huge game last week. I just don't think they can throw the ball at all, um, or I'm not convinced they can anyway. And I still think the USC defense is probably good. Um, it started out okay against Alabama, but then it was like when it was made clear that they will not be scoring any points, uh, their their defense just kind of fell apart in the second half. Especially have stepped on that guy's groin. I think that yeah, was, that was a mistake. Yeah, like what is up with that team? I don't like. Their their coach Helton is in over his head, uh, oh God, but I, I still I just still it's it's just like, like everybody on that team is a five star recruit and like Utah State again like they I don't know that they can really throw the ball so I don't know it it's a uh, 
Utah State has had good defenses in the past. Last year, it was a mess against the against uh, running games. So if they can't stop the run, USC could pummel them. Um, but I just don't. I, I don't know. It, this is one I would also stay away from. Fair enough. All right, and then we got a real battle of the blue bloods here. We got uh, Kansas playing host to o- the Ohio Bobcats. It's a Kansas favored by two and a half points. Uh, so yeah, uh, Ohio is doing something weird right now. Like they they were favored by twenty one points over Texas State, and Texas State uh, did they end up winning? Either way, it went to overtime, so they didn't right, cover. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, then Ohio started out favored by at least one i'm pretty sure most places now they're down to about uh you know they're uh, kansas is favored by three or so i don't know what to think about kansas but um like one th- one thing that's worth noting i think is uh last year they had the week one game that they did pretty well it was as an offense that is but it was against south dakota state they lost by three points 38 41 at no point last year did kansas keep anybody under 23 points and that one time funny enough was a tcu of all teams it must have been one of those hurt boykin games right but like nearly every other one actually i think all of the other ones they gave up at least 30 um gave up over 40 points like five times so that they kept an opponent any opponent in week one last week to six points might indicate some kind of pretty big shift in in their program trajectory um in any case uh, the offense looks like it's a better product this year, and uh, I, I, I wouldn't pick them to lose this game. I just, uh, I'm not inspired exactly by the by the by the whole idea of having to pick Kansas for something. No, that's a, that's a fair point, and you know, Kansas did bring in um, transfer from Texas A&M, a, a receiver, Laquiviante Gonzalez, and he had a pretty solid uh, debut with the Jayhawks last week. I thought so. Yeah, him and Steven Sims had a big game both. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they combined for just over 200 yards, it looks like, uh, between the two of them on 12 catches combined. So, you know, that's pretty solid. I think, you know, if Texas State can score that much on on Ohio, then Kansas should be able to move the ball just fine. Oh, yeah. So I think, you know... Uh, the only question is like can ohio score on them and but like rhode island getting six points means like maybe not yeah i think i'm gonna take kansas in this one i think they should be should be able to win by at least a field goal here yeah i I, I agree with you all right moving on we got uh indiana uh hosting ball state 18 point favorites uh are the hoosiers Uh, i mean ball state kind of kind of a sorry sorry yeah. team these days uh indiana. i mean I, I would take florida international to beat ball state and yeah. they lost by whatever a million points to indiana last week that's it that's a good way of looking at it and that, you know indiana will be at home uh simi Cobbs should be back in action after getting suspended uh for the season opener uh so you know that that's basically their best uh, offensive weapon on the outside yeah and indiana didn't even really need to throw the ball last week in pummeling florida international like i'm trying to my internet's not super cooperative right now but lago the richard lago however you pronounce it mm-hmm. he only threw 27 passes only had one touchdown but in recent years uh, indiana has been more likely to throw 40 passes than you know 28 so it'll be interesting to see if uh they kind of yeah cut cobs loose in this one um I, th- I think I like Indiana's chances of covering that. Yeah, it should be able to. I, I will also lean that way. Uh, then we got a, a pretty fun game. Uh, it's an Ohio State game, so I'm always going to enjoy that because I just 
I love their core. Um, so they're hosting Tulsa. Tulsa is coming off a pretty strong game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, really good defensive showing too, which was which was the most encouraging part about that because we knew we could, they could score, you know. But but for them to kind of just shut down San Jose State like that, pretty impressive stuff. So Ohio State twenty nine point favorites. I have a hard time picking against Ohio State like on almost any spread at this point. Yeah, but, uh, I mean it seems like they're just on a scorched earth uh, type of path, and I just like as for as good as Tulsa looked last week. I mean, this is going to be a really fun game to watch, but I think Ohio State might be able to – I mean, they might drop 60 again. Yeah, I would take Ohio State with the spread. Um, I don't the, – the main reason is that uh, I, I think Philip Montgomery is doing something really impressive right now with Tulsa, but uh, not to deny the guy all the credit that he's due because he's definitely due a lot, but Dane Evans, the quarterback, I just don't think he's very good accurate as a passer and I I don't know that you can get away with a player like him on the field when you're going against a defense as big as and as big and fast as Ohio State's is now granted Dane Evans had a huge game against Oklahoma last year but most of those plays were just chucking it as far as he could and Kiaris Garrett just jumping over people so I don't think he's going to have a very good game in this one Um, I should quickly mention that Keevan Lucas had six catches for 112 yards last week, and most of it was like early on in the game. Uh, that that's amazing. Like if he can if he can keep it going after tearing his patella tendon, uh, that would basically be the first time I've ever seen anyone recover from it. And that so yeah, hopefully he keeps it going because he was he was amazing before he got hurt. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't think much of Tulsa is going to go that well against uh, Ohio State this week. Yeah, Ohio State's just like a, fi- a top five team, and it's just hard to really. Uh, go against them right now. Uh, then we got uh, Duke playing host to Forest. Uh, this, yeah, this one uh, I can't say that I'm going to watch very much of this one. I don't uh, have enough. I don't have anything in my stomach right now, and I'm nauseous, and I'm thinking about this game, and I I might hurl yeah, even I mean, with nothing in there. Wake Forest. Uh, they managed what was it? Seven points against seven them? to three against Tulane oh in Week God. One. Yeah, we nailed that pick. I, I will that say was, that much. Yeah, shady. So, Let's but you didn't know that was going to happen. I did. Bam, Tulane nailed it. Uh, to be serious, I I would take Duke to cover the spread in this one, um, just because just because Wake Forest is so bad on offense. Yeah, I mean that that if they if they can only muster seven points against uh, Tulane's kind of rebuilding defense, uh, you know, it makes you wonder what they're going to be able to do against Duke. Makes I would wager think. nothing. Uh, so gonna 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 lean that direction as well go the blue devil route um then up here uh we get to enjoy our first uh madison tailgate uh atmosphere on our way to yeah, work we get to walk to at work walk to work with all these like 50 year old alumni like urinating on the sidewalk <laughs> at us yeah yes. so that's gonna be fun so yay football season's back in madison let's go uh so you know wisconsin 24 point favorites against Akron. I don't know if I like that much cuz uh that's a lot of points first of all, especially for a for team. Wisconsin. Like it, it is the it is it is like technically their first home game, but I don't think the team is going to really be as like focused as they would be normally in that context having already played at Lambeau and especially being like th- their heads must be huge oh, God, after yeah. that game. They're like, "Oh man, Akron, those guys suck." And like Akron is whatever they 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 had a 
a really weird showing in week one where they were actually unstoppable on offense. Thomas Woodson had like six passing touchdowns. That's right. Jerome Lane uh, is a is a big receiver who's been really good despite converting from linebacker just like two years ago. Uh, they got Bruce Natson from Utah State, uh, transfer rather. Um, he's he's tiny, but he's one of the most dangerous open field runners in college football. So this this seems like a game for Wisconsin to just kind of like not take their opponents seriously and they're, they're still gonna win i just think it'll probably it's be like i just don't or something yeah I don't, I don't think it's gonna be by 24 points i don't i don't know that they're gonna score more than like 30 against akron that's a, yeah that's a, that's a good way of looking at it uh so i'll lean that same way uh we got notre dame uh coming off obviously a pretty tough loss playing on a short week here uh going against a, a relatively talented nevada team but they they are favored by 28 points that is a lot of points. That's a lot of points. I don't know how I feel about this one because, like, Nevada Nevada should get clobbered in this. I, it's just one of those, like, man, I don't, I don't know if Notre Dame even plays at a fast enough pace to safely cover that spread. Like, I, can, I don't know if Brian Kelly's the kind of coach who would really, like, aspire to score that many points in a single game. Right, yeah, it doesn't seem like a very Notre Dame thing to do. So I wouldn't make a pick on this one, though. I, I don't know laying off it as well uh this next one is is a tough one uh to decide it's uh florida at home they've won 29 straight games against kentucky kentucky is bad and dumb they, their they coaches lost, are on the way out man. yeah they, i mean Dude, like, they ran 50 plays in that game last week somehow i don't even like they ran 50 plays how? against southern mississippi when mississippi southern mississippi ran like 94 like, I don't understand how you did that. Their quarterback, Drew Barker, had an amazing game, but he only threw, like, 24 passes. Like, in Stanley Boom Williams, he had, he had 13 carries. It's like, if those guys just, like, how do you, how do you, you're not, like, three and outing with that kind of numbers. No. So what did you do? I, like, I didn't see the game. I actually don't know what happened. But, like, that's stupid. Like, when you're that, when you're that explosive, you need to have a lead. You cannot be losing when that happens. Yeah, that was, that was, that was just a mind-boggling game. And, you know, Southern Miss was definitely up to the challenge. Uh, and then kind of on the other side, Florida, yeah, you know, that, that game again, against uh, UMass, uh, I can't tell how good their defense is is the only thing. Like, that's all that really matters. If, if the defense is what it usually is, I would take them to cover this game. But, uh, I mean, Kentucky's offense has more talent than it has had in the past. Their defense is as bad as ever, maybe worse. Um, but, yeah, Florida only gave up seven points to Massachusetts. I mean, that's not, you know, impressive. Massachusetts is breaking in a new quarterback. They don't have Tajay Sharp anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're kind of beat up, too. Yeah, Jalen Williams is, is kind of – dealing with a bulky ankle so i will i will say this though um like florida florida allowed 1.3 yards per carry against massachusetts i don't know what that is after subtracting for sack yardage but uh marquise young i think his name is the massachusetts running back is actually pretty good um probably not as good as boom williams who's i think quietly one of the best running backs in the country um but kentucky has made clear that they're going to split carries and not give boom williams the ball as much as they should um and i you know McIlwain's going to coach circles around them. Oh, yeah. So, uh, But, yeah, 17 points is a lot for a, a team going against a team where uh, Drew Barker, who was actually a pretty high recruit to Kentucky, um, he completed, like, 19 of 24 passes for, like, 300 yards and four touchdowns against Southern Miss. Hmm. Uh, much bigger test for Florida's defense than Massachusetts, and they only beat Massachusetts by 17 points. Right. So, you, you know, you wonder about Florida's ability to i mean like i think florida should should win this game comfortably but you wonder about their ability to to stretch out that margin beyond 17 points 
um, even if it is at the swamp and you, we got like the, you know, 30 year track record of, of Florida uh, just manhandling Kentucky. I, yeah, I will. I, I wouldn't I don't think you can. I don't think I want to make a pick on this one, uh, but uh, it is. I think McIlwain is the type of guy who would not show his hand the week prior. So it wouldn't be shocking if actually the, the Florida offense kind of busts loose in this one. Um, if only with the running game. Like, I don't think Kentucky can stop that running game. And yeah, I don't, Mark Thompson. Without even knowing games. anything. Yeah, Mark Thompson was playing behind Scarlett for some reason. So right, I don't yeah, know they, you... they had Scarlett start uh, last week. But, yeah, I don't think Kentucky can stop, like, anybody, really. So That's the problem. Um, so, yeah, I guess guess in the end, uh, Florida covering that spread at home is going to be the way I move there. Um, then we got Alabama uh, hosting – uh, you know, one of our favorite non-Power 5 teams, Western Kentucky, um, I'd say 28.5-point spread for Bama. I mean, Western Kentucky can score, but, I mean, this is this is Alabama. I, I still think – yeah, I'd still take Alabama. State, I'm taking, like, the Ohio State route here where it's just like you – know, like, thing- I, love, I love Tulsa, I love Western Kentucky, but it's just like – I'm sorry, man. Like, it's yeah, how it works. it's at Alabama. Western Kentucky, they, they might score 21 points – but I don't think they can stop Alabama in that case from scoring less than 50. Correct. Um, because that, if, if, if Western Kentucky scores three times, that either means they had like at least two 40 plus yard plays, which I don't want to bet on. And otherwise it's like they ran so many plays that they just scored three times having logged probably like 78 snaps or something like that. Um, which I don't. I don't know. I don't see that happening. Their quarterback Mike White had a huge Week One game, but it was against Rice. And uh, Mike White is this guy who he might be totally good for Western Kentucky against their normal level of competition. But he transferred from South Florida, and when he was at South Florida, he was like just a total train wreck. Mm. Um, like Dane Evans going into the step up to the Ohio State level speed. I don't. I don't know that it matters what scheme, what personnel is around him. I think Mike White just melts against a team like Alabama. Yeah, the yeah the Bama's Bama's defense is all world, and you know, kind of like what I said about Michigan, like they don't even need to be playing their first or second stringers to to be dominating a team of of like that ilk of the Conference USA uh, type of level. So I think I think Bama should be able to to cover this comfortably. I, I'm not overly concerned with that one. Um, so John, do you want to like go rapid fire with like the next five picks that we got here on the slate? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do do that. Baylor at home against SMU, uh, Baylor minus 31 and a half. I'll take Baylor. I'll do Baylor as well. Um, the reason like Matt Davis, the starting quarterback for SMU seems to have a knee issue. Uh, Baylor is, is obviously like they've got certain questions to answer, but one, one thing about them is they've been great at home. So I, I like their chances uh, with Seth Russell's obviously sharp. He put up like seven touchdowns on them last year, I think. So, yeah. uh, then let's see, we got Washington 37 and a half point favorites at home against Idaho. That's a lot of Washington points. It is, but Idaho, they're bad. Idaho goes max tempo when, which means like if you're going against a defense as good as Washington's, you're giving really good field position to a team that just torched Rutgers by a million points. Right. Uh, yeah, John John Ross looked awesome. Three touchdowns in week one. Jake Browning looks, looks good. good. They didn't need Gaskin. They only gave no. him like nine carries or something. Uh, and yet they won by 35 points. So I would take uh, I would take Washington to cover this one. I like it. Uh, then we got Miami, uh, Florida-Miami. Uh, 
They are 24-point favorites against FAU at home. So I guess if you're picking Florida Atlantic for the spread, you're just banking on Mark Richt's uh, aversion to tempo, like dictating that outcome, because Florida Atlantic should get crushed on like a per-play basis. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like, is Miami going to run enough plays to do it? I, I Rick never put up 70 at Georgia in the first week in Miami. He did it last week. So I don't know. He kind of seems like he wants to, to show out a little bit. I think Miami can, can definitely cover this. If I had to pick, I would pick Miami, yeah. Uh, then we got South Florida, surprisingly big favorites over, over Northern Illinois at home. Uh, 14.5-point favorites. I I don't know. I would probably pick South Florida, but I wouldn't feel that great about it. But the reason I would take them is because Northern Illinois is probably a little bit more worn down after that overtime loss against Wyoming. And they did have an overtime loss against Wyoming. And I would take <laughs> South Florida uh, minus 14 and a half against Wyoming. Like, I think South Florida is better than Nebraska for what that's worth. And we got I, I couldn't – you can get me to take uh, Nebraska minus 24 against Wyoming. Who beat Northern Illinois? I know I'm going in like a convoluted circle here. A lot of threads. I'm like trying to put it all together, but I see what you're saying, man. So I like that. Um, Let's see here. Then we got uh, just a kind of battle of the uh, bottom of the barrel of the SEC. This our final dose of Ipecac for the week. (laughs) Um, Miss State. I don't know. I hate this game. I hate it so much. Skip it. This sucks. Yep. Just know that when Miss State South Carolina comes on, just just change the channel. Um, We do have some. Some tonic for to take away from the Epicac. We got Arkansas uh, going to Fort Worth to face TCU. Uh, Arkansas seven and a half uh, point road dogs. Yeah, so uh, Arkansas embarrassed themselves against Louisiana Tech. One of my wrong spread picks. Uh, so it's uh, ugh, I'm so mad about that. Uh, anyway, they they were favored by 24 over Louisiana Tech, which they should have beat them by. Louisiana Tech was playing the, the, was starting the backup to their bad starting quarterback, who was uh, like given a loose suspension for a DWI before. Uh, but yeah, Austin Allen terrible game against Louisiana Tech, and Yikes. Louisiana Tech lost some of their defensive starters. I'm pretty sure at least they lost their uh, their safety Vernon, Kentrell Bryce and Vernon Butler. Too. Oh yeah, Ver- that's the guy I was trying to think of. Like yeah, the, their best player from last year, aside from Kenneth Dixon, but arguably even better than him. Uh, lost on the defense. Austin Allen clearly is not his brother. And uh, yeah, Raleigh Williams is clearly not Jonathan Williams or even Alex Collins. So uh, I don't think Arkansas is that good, but with TCU's defense looking so bad last week, um, I mean, sorry, I should be, I should be quicker about this. I will take TCU minus seven and a half. Okay, uh, we'll I just don't that. feel that great about it. Yeah, I, I will go Arkansas. I'm just going to bank that, you know, maybe they just pound the rock hard enough. and They'll be more focused this week, for sure. Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking, so I'm, I'm going to lean Arkansas. Uh, then we got Auburn, 19.5-point favorites against Arkansas State. You know what? I'll take Auburn, 19.5, because uh, Chad Voidick, the quarterback for Arkansas State, was a disaster last week. Pretty bad. And uh, their their defense at Arkansas State, I don't think, is built for the likes of Ann Johnson or even Sean White. So Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, Auburn's just got a, always has a stable of running backs, and I think they'll be able to kind of bully Arkansas State around. I don't think Arkansas State's going to be able to put many points on the board, especially considering uh, what Clemson was able to do. Uh, obviously, different intensity, but... You know, you get the idea. Um, then we got Iowa, 15-point uh, favorites against in-state rival Iowa State. I think Iowa covers that. Yeah, I think so, too. Iowa State's offensive line might be a mess. Like, they couldn't get Mike Warren going at all in week one. And, uh, that's and, concerning. Yeah, so that, yeah, disappointing. Uh, but, yeah, Akram Wadley, uh, LaShawn Daniels are probably too much for Iowa yeah, State. I mean, what, Wadley, 
10 yards a carry last week. Uh, Daniels over eight per carry. Um, I'm not completely sold that Beathard is healthy, but they don't really need him to do a ton right now. He's always got a sports hernia of some sort. Yeah, just, you know, yeah. I think this time... Uh, yeah, that's what got, grit like, does to you, man. Yeah, that's a, that's a, <laughs> it bends the bones. <laughs> but um, so we we both like the Hawkeyes in that one. Um, then we got kind of a weird uh, Power Five matchup here. Yeah. We got Illinois hosting UNC. I don't know who agreed to that. If it was like the 2005, they did this uh, last and, year too, didn't they? Or maybe that's I don't think it was no, you're else. right. You're right. They did. Um, so UNC eight and a half point uh, road favorites. I th- I would pick North Carolina, even though I don't trust Larry Fedora at all. I, he's, he always thinks he's behind the chains and then forgets that his running back, Elijah Hood, is going to be an NFL starter and just doesn't give him the ball. Um, but they'll have Mac Hollins the whole game, at least. I still think M- Mitch Trubisky is good. I just think the Georgia pass defense is probably really good and ge- yep. just a general overmatch for him. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not convinced about anything in particular with Illinois. I'm just, I'm just, Nor should you be. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Illinois, uh, will probably get smashed a little, at least a little bit in that one. Uh, one of the, then we got one of the more marquee games, I believe it's being played at a, uh, racetrack, uh, Tennessee and Virginia Tech. I feel nauseous if I have to pick a team in either team in this one, but that seems like a big spread uh, to me is 11 and a half Tennessee being favored. Uh, Virginia Tech was losing to Liberty for for like a time last year. They were, but I I I don't know. I I just feel like Tennessee was pretty convincingly bad. Yes, and uh, I don't know. I just I would be surprised if Virginia Tech's defense really gave it up. And I I would I would think Justin Fuente would be the kind of coach who would look ahead a week and be like, we're not going to use all our tricks. We're just going to like try to get our base plays down pat and against Liberty because we got to go play at Tennessee next week. Yeah, and, and then on the on the other side of the coin, I'm not sure that Butch Jones uh, knows where his playbook is. Yeah, he doesn't. He's he's confused. But t- Tennessee should win by like two touchdowns. But I I just don't have faith in them right now. I, mean, yeah, I don't. I, don't know I would be I would be surprised game. if they have faith in themselves. Like that's just yeah. They, they, they have got to be the core. I mean, they, it really took a sort of I hate to say it was like a boneheaded play by Terrell but you know if he gets out of bounds you know app state might win that game they also needed to recover that fumble yep now i'm now i'm angry um sorry (laughs) so that game uh it's i'll take i hate it but i'll take tech 11 and a half but tennessee wins by like at least 10 probably yeah sweat it out um then we got boise state 12 and a half point favorites against washington state obviously washington state uh, continue their tradition of an embarrassing opening week loss. Mike Leach is a bad coach, dude. He's a bad person. <laughs> He's a bad person, coach. Um, anyway, I that's a lot of points for Boise State, I feel like, but I can't bring myself to not pick them. Ah, I hate this. Um, All right, I'm. We're going to split on that one. I think. I think Wazoo should. You know, like the, the they're they're awakened from their nap and they'll they'll start doing what they usually do starting this week. Even though Boise State does present a relatively touch ma- tough matchup, I think uh, twelve and a half points just seems like a lot. It's to a me. lot. It is. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I, I, I. Okay, I have to punt on this one. I, I, don't, I haven't looked at enough information yet. Sadat, sadat. Um, then we got San Diego State hosting Cal uh, and San Diego State seven and a half point favorites actually so California clobbered these guys last year but a it was Goff not Davis Webb uh, B 
San Diego State brought back like everybody and their quarterback this year Christian Chapman I think is quite a lot better than Maxwell Smith who they had last year right um I I so I've seen the line down to seven in some places I can't I don't have the courage to take San Diego State to get seven but if it's seven and a half I I do like San Diego State's chances of only losing by a touchdown and I I do think they have a shot to win because I don't think Davis Webb is that good um, but he had really good numbers in the second half of last week, but he started slow. And the thing is, if you start slow against San Diego state, you might just not get the ball back. Like they, they can run yeah, the ball, they grind it out. Yeah. And they, they'll sit on the ball. Once they get a bit of a lead, they'll just choke you out. So, um, I, I don't think California loses, but I think it's a really dangerous game for them. Agreed. And then let's see here, wrapping us up, uh, UVA coming off a horrible, horrible loss to Richmond. Um, didn't they lose by like 17 points or something like that at home? So yeah, their, their treat for doing that is getting to fly (laughs) out West and go play Oregon who, you know, didn't look as sharp as maybe we would have liked last week, but you know, they still got it done against UC Davis. Their Um, offense was sharp at least. That's true. Um, and you know, they got Pharaoh Brown back and, uh, Carrington is obviously a stud. Um, so Oregon 24 and a half point favorites against Virginia, I think this this could be a slaughter. Yeah, so the the reason I like Oregon to cover that is not so much that I think Virginia can't be vaguely competitive. It's just that Bronco Mendenhall is an up has up tempo schemes and Oregon is obviously up tempo and when you have that much many plays being ran, the general dynamic can be amplified. So it's like if if these guys were two marked Rick Mark Rick teams, I bet it's like a t- a 12 point victory or something. Um, but because they'll run so many plays, that, that that many more big plays will happen. But yeah, I, I like Oregon's chances of winning this one, like fifty-four to twenty-one or something like that. Yeah, I could. All right, so I see it uh, going that way as well. Oregon should be able to put up the requisite points to to cover that spread against a Virginia team that looked a little bit hapless. So that's going to do it for us for our podcast today. I think it went pretty smoothly. I think we trimmed it down a little bit, so a little bit easier to digest for everybody. Uh, We'll be back again next week. Uh, We'd like to sign off uh, thanking our friends over at the No Halftime app. This is what our podcast is brought to you by, the No Halftime app. It's Sam Adams. We're constantly improving who we are, what we do, and how we brew. We may craft over 60 styles of beer, but it's Boston Lager that has captured the heart of America since 1984. With its deep amber color, caramel notes, and signature hop character, what better to have in your pint glass? Sam Adams Boston Lager. Pursue better. Boston Beer Company, Boston Mass. Stay responsibly. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.